Morning. <clears throat> Thank you for joining this morning. The practice of being aware of awareness. Here are three bells as usual. One just a moment. One midway through. And then the final bell will be an hour from now. So I invite us all to just bring a little attention to the breath perhaps and allow that to gather the momentum of inward focus if there's been outward focus, just coming back in to be, allow attention to rest there. And perhaps this morning we're particularly sensitive to any sense of expectation. Anything playing in the mind that tells us what, what, what we might get from this practice or what we might get from today. how it might feel. Any subtle sense of expectation. We can notice that if any of that is present, mind is conjuring up a, a state or a feeling. that is not now present. So in essence, it's subtly taking us away from this present moment. And we bring presence to that. We allow that to be, but we notice it, we observe it, we watch it, we don't believe it. We shift back into awareness of it, shift out of being captured by the sense of believing it, not seeing it, not being able to watch it. Is there anything that is wanted that is not here right now? Because the belief that it's not here right now will distract from allowing attention to sink in to all that is here right now. It will actually work as a block to the awareness of love's presence. And all we do is notice that.
Just notice that little subtle mind play, or maybe it's not so subtle. Maybe it's very clear that something's wanted to be get rid of, wanting to be added to this moment. And we just notice that that's a movement of mind. We can juxtapose that with the heart. Check in with the heart and confirm that the heart accepts everything just the way it is. Including a movement of mind that says it should be different. So the invitation is to include consciously the desire that things be different if that is what's playing. We include that in what's here right now. We include that in acceptance. Include that in, in the what is. Just let it be. We were talking yesterday in Heart Explorations. Someone was asking. She just wanted to love everything just like it was. She's trying to love everything. How do you love everything that you don't love? And the answer is you don't. You accept that you don't love it. You accept that there's no way you love it. Matter of fact, you actively dislike it. Accept that, allow that. Just fall back and be with the desire that things be different or the not liking something or the hating something. She was describing it as I hate this, I just hate this. She said, I. I know I'm loved, and I don't know why I can't love this. And it was because right then, the feeling of hate was present, hating it. Are we willing to soften the resistance to that? Are we willing to be with that? Meet our edge and then soften to it. Meet our edge again and then soften to it.
Is it available to fall back and notice? Something accepts all of this. That awareness has already let it all in. Something allows all of it to play out just like it's playing out. Just like it has been, just like it will. And the invitation is just to consciously meet the moment with the beingness that we are. means allowing the resistance, the emotions, the perceptions, the thoughts, we notice when a new sound happens that that's already accepted, it's already allowed. The thought rises up, it's already accepted that it's here. Maybe another thought that says it doesn't like that thought, but the second thought's accepted. The thought, third thought that says, wow, I just wish so much thinking wasn't happening. Well, that's accepted too. And then a fourth thought saying, I wonder how much longer this thinking's gonna happen. Well, that's accepted too. just a movement of mind. We are not the movement of mind. We are what catches the movement when that type of presence is available. We are the watching. the noticing, the observing. We fall back and notice that, watch that, observe that.
Maybe we bring to mind our intention, our true desire, our spiritual aspiration. Notice that we're watching, in a sense, a movement of mind, because there might be thoughts about it. We can center back on the watching part, just kind of allow the words to be there. Be knowingly the beingness, being aware of the words that we intentionally have rise up. Michael Singer writes in The Untethered Soul that your sense of self is determined by where you're focusing your consciousness. So when thoughts come up, we don't realize they're getting attention by the system. We're focusing our consciousness on it, and that will define what our sense of self is at that particular moment. The system automatically believes what awareness does not land on.
I'll read you a little bit from Helen Hamilton's chapter 18. Recognizing your own subjectivity. We have been conditioned or trained to perceive ourselves to be an object. What we have been used to define ourselves as is this subtle sense of being a someone in or with a body. This sense of being someone is really just a collection of thoughts about quote, me and what I like or don't like. My dreams, hopes, goals, failures, my past regrets and future wishes and more. This all coagulates together to become our sense of self and is really a subtle object. So maybe we check that out for ourselves. Do we have right now a sense of self, a sense of ourself as a someone, a daughter or a son, a wife or a husband? And on and on and on the identities go. So we're not trying to push that away. We are not trying to quickly, quickly let go of it because we've just been told that, you know, this happens with people and we don't want to do that anymore. We're actually going to turn towards it, identify it as present. We're going to let it be. And let everything be that's actually here and look right at it. So do we have a sense of being a someone? A, it's the first question. And then B, when we look at this sense of a someone, can we see in our own direct experience that it's a collection of thoughts about a me, about that someone? So first we just look, look for the sense of someone, being a person, in or with a body, being a someone. Can we get in touch with our sense of being someone, being a person in or with a body? So again, Helen writes, we have been conditioned or trained to perceive ourselves to be an object. What we have been used to defining ourselves as is this subtle sense of being a someone in or with the body. 
the sense of being someone is really just a collection of thoughts about me and what I like, what I don't like. My dreams, hopes, goals, failures, past regrets, future wishes, and more. This all coagulates together to become our sense of self. And that little creation, that coagulation is really a subtle object. Can we see that in our direct experience?
So we get in touch with that subtle sense of being a someone in or with the body. And we notice that it's actually a, really a subtle object. And Helen writes, an object is a thing that has a definable location and duration in time and space. So it's locatable, right? A definable location. And it also has a duration in time and space. We are used to calling solid things objects, such as a table, a planet, a human body, or an apple. As humans, we tend to disregard the subtle objectivity of thoughts, emotions, and sensations in the body. All this we put together and call it me. Helen writes, I want you to begin to examine if me is subjective or objective. Was this sense of me here before the body was? Will it still remain after the body goes? Anything that relies on the body for its existence, such as thought, which needs a brain to think it, must be finite and in actuality, an object. The sense of me is perhaps the most subtle object of all as it is always coming and going. It is not there, and we have no body. It is not there in deep sleep, coma, or when under an anesthetic. Can we notice that this sense of me is an object, a subtle object. And when attention lands on it, we have a sense of ourselves as a person. We, the consciousness, put attention on these very subtle arisings like thoughts and feelings, perceptions, memories. And that's what conjures up or coagulates together, as Helen puts it for a sense of me. Can we notice that in actuality, that's an object arising in consciousness. That it comes and it goes. That it morphs into more and more and then thins away into less, less, almost imperceivable. And then actually imperceivable and deep sleep, for instance.
Helen writes, what is all this driving at? It is to get you to realize that thoughts, feelings, emotions come and go and therefore must be objects having a finite lifespan in time and space. So too must your body be an object as it will go just as it came one day. All that you can perceive are objects. Stop for a moment and confirm this to be true before continuing. Can anything that you perceive be other than an object? So what is all this driving at again? It is to get you to realize that thoughts, feelings, emotions come and go, and therefore must be objects having a finite lifespan in time and space. So too must your body be an object as it will go just as it came one day. 
all that you can perceive are objects. Stop for a moment and confirm this to be true. We're continuing. Can anything that you perceive be other than an object? She writes, now turn attention to what is proceeding. Is that an object? If you are the perceiver of all thoughts, emotions, bodies, time and space were an object, then you must have a location. When we look for this location, we find only no thingness. So we turn attention around and notice that we are the perceiver, what she she capitalizes of all the various objects. Is the perceiver an object? You turn attention around and look for the perceiver. Do you find an object? a separate you, an independent entity. Or do you find wide open, spacious, no thingness? You may not be able to say what it is, but you can say what it's not. It's not a collection of things. It's not even one thing. Spacious emptiness, knowingness, sentient space. Field of unmanifest potentiality. Doesn't feel dead, does it? Doesn't feel like barren, like a wasteland. Feels empty like a garden. You can't see the sprouts yet. But feel into it. 
sense and aliveness to the emptiness, to the spaciousness, to that which is perceiving. And when you look right at that, can you find a sense of me? Like in this moment, is that sense of me here? And if you can conjure up a sense of me, what perceives that? that sense of me, can you see it's an object? Being seen by a seer, by a perceiver. Something sees the sense of me kind of reconnecting itself up to the consciousness coming back in with memories or traits or preferences, sensations, feelings, thoughts. Kind of reassembles itself. But we're a little more interested in what notices that than we are in the in the in the product being assembled in the object, in the sense of me. What sees that? What knows that? Helen writes, the sense of me can be seen to be a subtle object, yet the one seeing this cannot be seen. Can you see the perceiver? We begin to realize that what we really are is the subjective, capital S, nothingness that is watching all objective thingness. You can stop right now and see if you can find the one that knows. Can you find the one that sees? The one that perceives the me or the person feeling.
you will not be able to find it anywhere in a place. It is the placeless place. So you know proceedings happening. That's your direct experience. And we're looking for the perceiver, the one that sees, to see if that's an object. Is that locatable, having a duration in time and space? Or is it not locatable except to say it's here? If you go to say the here, can't find it in one particular place and not another. You can't say the perceiver is just slightly to the right or slightly to the left. You could have a sense of it being above, but then check, can you have a sense of it being below? And isn't, isn't it more accurate to say you have a sense of it being present everywhere you check as opposed to present like down to the left but then not up to the right perceiving is happening down to the left and up to the right and above and below and to the sides it's perceiving happening from the sides can you take that perceiving out and see if you can find a limit or a boundary, a space where the perceiving is not? Same with up and down. Can you check whether the perceiving happens on that vertical plane, up and down? Just keep going up and down at the same time, taking it out, 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 seeing if you can find a limit, demarcation, a spotty area where perceiving is not happening. So this sense of a me can be seen to be a subtle object, yet the one seeing this cannot be seen. We begin to realize that what we really are is the capital S subjective nothingness that is watching all objective thingness. You can stop right now and see if you can find the one who knows, sees, perceives the me or person feeling. You will not be able to find it anywhere in a place. It is the placeless place.
first time you realize that what you are is this pure subjectivity, it can be quite shocking. But it will become more obvious as you confirm it again and again. The aim of this practice is to reverse the tendency to think of yourself as an object. Objects like thoughts will be there. But they are always appearing in and witnessed by the subjective self, capital S, capital S. Keeping attention on the subjectivity and not allowing it to go back to the passing phenomena or objects allows the truth of what you are to be revealed to you. So we're right back to Michael Singer and the Untethered Soul when he says your sense of self is determined by where you are focusing your consciousness. Keeping attention on the subjectivity and not allowing it to go back to the passing phenomena of objects allows the truth of what you are to be revealed to you. And so while this is written in the negative, right? Keeping attention on the subjectivity and not allowing it to go back to passing phenomena. That's actually a, a practice instruction. I don't know about you, but for me, attention is going to go back to the passing phenomena. That's what attention does. At least that's what it does with me. But I can consistently ask what notices that. What's that witnessed by? What's that seen by? The aim of this practice is to reverse the tendency to think of yourself as an object. But for me, that requires me to catch myself in the act of thinking about myself as an object, not to try to not think of myself as an object. And I notice when thoughts are coming and I just, I just not present enough to, to notice that. 
So I literally project myself right into that thought stream and have the experience of being angry, being annoyed, being impatient. And can I ask, what knows this? What sees this? What perceives this? And just gently allow attention to disengage what it has locked and loaded on, which is some passing thought. Allow it to fall back and do that sacred U-turn where we turn attention inward to notice what's noticing, to perceive what's perceiving, to actually see what it's all being seen by. And I just keep noticing the script that runs, identification with objects, thoughts, feelings, perceptions, stories, memories, moods, narratives. And can I flip the script? Ask what sees that? What does that arise to? What is it seen by? Because keeping attention on the subjectivity, on what it's seen by, to what it arises to, and not allowing attention to rivet back to the passing phenomena of objects, allows the truth of what we are to be revealed to us. In other words, we keep defeating the programmed premise that we are the object. And in so doing, we allow attention to fall back onto what notices that. This pure subjectivity in which all the objects arise, rise up, play out on the play, and then fall away. <laughs>